uncles or fighters. My dad was a very good boxer, and uh, I, I just carried on the tradition, really. I, I'll be honest, I had a natural talent for it. I, I was quite gifted at it from a young age. I'll be honest, when, when I first went to a boxing gym, there wasn't really a lot of Indians in the gym. So for me, it was a bit daunting to think that I, I'm the only opener in the gym. It was like it was expected of me to turn professional. So that, then I knew that okay, um, I'm going to be a ticket seller. I've got an exciting style. Needed half of the fighters. I fought drop, and then obviously they told Naz about me. Naz was really interesting because I've never seen an Indian kid that people talk about like this. So I always represent my people the best I can because I always saw my people as warriors, and I see myself as a warrior, and I represent that as much as I can. So that who's the best Indian boxer that ever lived? Dad goes, I don't even know an Indian boxer. I've just, I've just signed over with Dean White and we're working on something pretty big. Welcome back to the CoachCast podcast. My guest today is a professional super welterweight boxer from Berkshire. Welcome, Tony Bunch. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, guys. Good, good. The way um, I like to start each and every podcast is basically taking a trip down memory lane. So tell me a bit about your upbringing, your cultural background, and basically what baby Tony was like. <laughs> um, uh, growing up, um, really close family, uh, come from a loving family, um, very traditional family. Um, obviously, we're um, Punjab, uh, Punjab BC. So yeah, we had a very close family growing up. My uncles were fighters. My dad was a very good boxer. And uh, I, I just carried on the tradition, really. Right, so you come from like a bit of a fighting family. So so yeah. did they, uh, what level did they fight at? Did, was it just like amateur uh, or? My father, he did more amateur boxing and he did judo. He's, he's a bronze medalist in judo. Um, I've got um, MMA fighters in my family doing very well. I've got a lot of kickboxers in the family doing very well. So yeah, just come from from fighting background, really. Don't mess with, don't mess with your family then. No, we're very, very humble people, man. We don't <laughs> not really trouble making beef. But yeah, a um, lot of good fighters in the family. So what what made you want to? Was it just very much that it was you got put in at a year early age because obviously your dad, your, your uncles already knew the benefits that combat sports would have. So did they just push you into boxing to instill that discipline? I'll be honest, I had a natural talent for it. I, I was quite gifted at it from a young age. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, as I got on, I just got better and better at it. And it seemed like it's worth me trying to go down the professional route because he was very good. What age uh, What age did you start then? Uh, I started, I actually was in the gym at like um, 12, 13. Right. Um, but my father was training me from an early age and I took it serious towards like 16, 17 while I was in the gym all the time, constantly in the gym. And um, yeah, I, I just started, I started fighting as a senior. I never fought as a junior. Okay. And uh, yeah, just kept the progression on from there. It is quite cool because obviously, as we were saying before, like we, you don't really see that many uh, British Indians in the ring. I think there is a few more coming out now, uh, yourself included. I've had um, uh, Inder Bassi on the podcast before as well and uh, a kid called Gully from Wolverhampton who's an amateur boxer. So it is something that is is starting yeah, to happen. I've heard, I've heard of quite a few of the boys coming through. They'd be really proud of themselves, man. I'll be honest, when, when I first went to a boxing gym, there wasn't really a lot of Indians in the gym. 
So for me, it was a bit daunting to think that I'm the only offline in the gym. And you do feel like, like you're singled out and everyone's against you, but then, then the fighter in you's got to come out. So, you know, I don't care. I've, whoever, I've got to fight. I'm here to fight. 100%. So it does, yeah. Do, does it, it, does, it does knock your confidence a little bit when you first go in the ring. But, you know, if you want to be a fighter, you're going to have to deal with this. Yeah, well, I guess that's just like a, a small battle compared to the one that's in the ring. Do you know what I mean? It's like a little yeah. side story going on. But but does yeah, that yeah. like impact you? Obviously, when you were a kid as well, when you were a lot younger, 12, 13, did you yeah. feel that? Um, do you feel that it like may, might have, I, I don't want to say hindered your progression because obviously you turned into a professional, but d- did it did it make it feel a bit more uncomfortable than it might have otherwise um, been? Yeah, it, it was uncomfortable, but then when I st- when people realised how good I was, it was like they sort of it, they wanted me there. Mm-hmm. Was when I saw a lot of the other Indian boys go in the gym, and it was like they, they didn't really want them there. And because I was quite talented, it was like they all wanted me. Every gym I went to sort of open open their arms to me and just wanted to take me in. But I saw with the other boys that they, they sort of got a bit neglected and pushed to the side. And it was a bit for me like I was thinking if I wasn't as like decent as I was maybe I would have been treated like that and, yeah you know that, that did make me feel a bit like mm, this isn't this is a bit pitchy you know yeah 100 so the talent shone through I think that's the good thing about boxing though is like uh is that sort of camaraderie like in a gym space do you yeah. know what I mean like when you're in there you these are all these are all doing the hard work so that respect yeah. regardless of where your background yeah. is I think that respect shines through yeah I mean, you, you sort of got to earn your respect in boxing. Mm-hmm. You, it's it's not given to you. Like no, no matter where you're from, what ethnicity is, it's not given to you. You have to really earn it. Hundred percent. I before obviously you said there that like obviously you come from like a fighting family. I was actually going to ask what the the sort of community sort of aspect towards it would have been like if there was any uh, sort of gossip let's say like obviously we know from the, the Alpana community can't be very gossipy you know what I mean but yeah, yeah, did, did you feel yeah. any of that side or was it because you're from a fighting family it was just sort of he's gonna follow in, in his father's uh, footsteps well from from like the the area and stuff my family were really well known so when I when people had heard that I was turning professional it's like everybody wanted to know because mm-hmm. I was sort of from young I was like talked about Mm-hmm. so it was like it was expected of me to turn professional and then when it happened and um we'll go on to it in a bit but then when I got ex- like sort of exploited onto the scene by someone then it, it really just boom yeah 100% but and, and you've obviously alluded to it there but we will talk about um that particular someone a bit later on yeah, yeah. um when you were going into amateur boxing, you didn't have that many fights, did you? So roughly how many did you did you have? I had 14 amateurs. I lost two. What, why um, Why did you make the jump so quickly to professional? Uh, head guards. I didn't want to fight with head guards. Right, okay. Um, so I went straight into unlicensed boxing and I got I actually got TV exposure on unlicensed boxing. And... Um, but before I knew it, I, I was a really big ticket seller. I was selling to 300 tickets like on unlicensed fights. And I was, I was practically selling out the ringside myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, then I knew that, okay, um, I'm going to be a ticket seller. I've got an exciting style. Um, so I said, I'll do the unlicensed, see how I get on. Then obviously, 
got discovered and things went on to, to bigger things. 100%. Um, is that something that suits your style more with professional boxing? What What is like your style like for, for anybody who's, who's listening who might not know? I'll be honest, my record would, would be deceiving. You wouldn't assume I'm the style of fighter I am if you look at my record. Mm-hmm. If you actually look into the to the Wikipedia of the fights and see what happened during the fight, nearly, nearly half of the fighters I've thought have dropped. But I, I, don't, I don't finish them because they, they are journeymen and they have a lot of experience. And although I know I could finish them, keeping them in the ring would benefit me. Gain that experience so, from them. Yeah, so at the minute, I think the more rounds I can get, the better, because my amateur experience was limited. So I don't really want to take a guy, although I know I can take him out of the ring. I haven't had a lot of rounds in the ring. I haven't had the advantage of having a long amateur career. So I keep him in the ring, but I'm 100% confident I could just just toy with him and play with him really that's um that's like a really mature like approach to take it because i feel like surely at the beginning of a career like a boxer would feel pressure to to blow people out of the water because nowadays it is like people look at your record people see how many knockouts you have people want to see like a social media clip of you punching someone a one punch knockout and you walk away and things like this so if you you go back to my unlicensed career you see like majority of the guys are knocked out well, I, I do not I do not have to stop guys and get them out of the ring. But obviously, when you've got journey money or had two, three hundred fights or fought all the other fighters on the circuit, it's worth keeping them in the ring. As long as they're not dangerous, but we'll, we'll do our research on the fighter and check them. My last opponent, I got head clashed, so that that was a bit of a of a mess up on a fight. I should have took him out. But you know, you live and you learn head clash, you can't really do much about it. Um yeah. The, the, the sort of um pressure that I was saying before, like, do, do you feel that pressure? Like, obviously, you're not going, you you haven't basically, uh, you've said that you've, you've knocked people down and not finished them off. But do you ever feel pressure that maybe I should because it might look better uh, for, for like your profile? Do, do you ever have that pressure on your shoulders or not? Well, well would, it, would it look better if you stopped the first fight? You stopped was actually a very rated fighter and you took him out quick. Would that not look better? 100%. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I feel like nowadays it is very um, social media sort of everything's like headlines and things. Yeah. I've honest, being around the people I was around. I learned that there is a lot of hype. There is a lot of talk and things are built up to be. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors, as they say. Mm-hmm. But you just got to know within yourself what you're capable of doing and what you're doing. 100%. Um. The, the fight that you're alluding to, so your seventh fight, no, eighth fight, sorry, so you, you're seven and one at the moment and, and the last fight was a loss, but your yeah. that was pre-pandemic, right? Yeah, well, first round, we put a head clash so early in the fight and it just it just kept opening up, opening up, it was messing up my vision, I, I couldn't see nothing. Although I tried to keep the fight, I tried to fight on, I didn't want, to, want them to stop the fight. Um, I just I just couldn't find the reach to to do anything. It just uh, vision was blurred. I didn't really know. I've never been in a situation where I've been cut, mm-hmm. and I, I, I pretty much had to fight blind. I've never been in that situation before. I mean, I like to think I handled it well. That like I didn't panic. I didn't get worried. And a lot of fighters probably would have got stopped. But you know, I just kept composed, stuck to stuck to my game plan. Okay, I didn't 
I didn't get the win, but I finished the fight and I still kept my reputation as a fighter. 100%. And uh, I think it is valuable to have that experience. Like, uh, as I spoke to Inder Bassi in that podcast that we did was just after his last fight as well. And, and he um, he broke his nose for the first time uh, in the yeah. fight. So it was a, it also, similarly to yourself, was a head clash. Broke his nose. He couldn't see because it's like the, his eyes were glazed over. And he sort of came out afterwards um, and said, like, it's a valuable experience because now going forward, them things might have happened in the amateur career or might happen in training. But when it's yeah. in the actual fight, when it's in a professional fight, it's completely different. So to handle that experience, I would have preferred it happening in training, but you know, if nothing ever happened and then it happened on the night, you, you don't know what to do. But mm-hmm. I think I hand, considering I've never been in that situation, I think I handled it quite well. Is is that was that something? Um, and again, I, I agree. Like uh, you need them experiences to learn from them and move forward. Do you know what I mean? Like if it happens again, then you'll deal with it even better than you did this time. Um, hopefully, I mean, truthfully, the, the team around me would never have put me in a fight. If there wasn't a hundred percent confident, I, I was going to come out winner. They, yeah. they just wouldn't. They wouldn't risk a prospect doing that. Mm-hmm. But if accidents happen, there's not really much you can do about it. It's, that's life. You just got to deal with it and move on. And that is the beauty of sport in general. To be fair, like you, you need that sort of. It can't always be predetermined. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, it wouldn't be yeah, fun to watch. <laughs> anything can happen. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you can stick to. What what's more likely to happen? I mean, truthfully, going into that fight, it was pretty much people were confident it was a sure thing. Tony's going to beat this guy. The whole training camp had been perfect. Everything had gone right. The first minute of the fight, head clash. Yeah. What 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 can you do? This was something that I asked Inder as well, and and because of like Floyd Mayweather, for example, and, and this fifty and zero record and maintaining that. Uh, undefeated streak do you feel like maybe some pressure's actually been lifted off you because now that O is gone you can just concentrate on your fighting and, and it's just maybe a bit of bit of pressure's been alleviated or is that not not came into your mind there was never any pressure from the start because uh, it's um the, the way I looked at boxing I'll only ever go out there to, to do my best and if I came out victorious I came out victorious if I, if I didn't come out the better man on the night, then that is the better man on the night. But I'll make up for it the next fight. It seems like uh, like you've sort of mentally dealt with this, uh, like going forward. Yeah, I I, I kind of in a way brainwashed my, myself to not believe in pressure. That I I'm only capable of doing what I'm doing, and I would always give a great performance. I will always fight my best. I always represent my people the best I can. Because I always saw my people as warriors and I see myself as a warrior and I represent that as much as I can. And I, I won't ever give up in a fight. I'll fight till I can't fight no more. Yeah, 100%. I think you said it best there as well. And um, so you're training now for a comeback and when when is that comeback roughly going to happen? Um, I, w- I was going to make an announcement, but I've just signed, I don't know if you know, Dean White, Dylan's white brother. Oh, okay, yeah. I've, ju- I've just signed over with Dean. And we're working on something pretty big. So, yeah, as once things are finalised, I'll make an announcement and let anybody know what's going on then. Sweet. I'm looking forward to it. Um, When you turned pro, obviously that big name that we were alluding to before was was Prince Nassim. 
Uh, Naz is obviously like a massive, massive name in boxing in general. How did like your relationship with him come to fruition? How was that? Like, how did you get to know each other? Uh, like, like I said, um, when I first started, my name in the area. I mean, I, I was pretty much the talk of the area. Mm-hmm. And then friends of my my father knew Naz, and then obviously they told Naz about me. Naz was really interesting because I've never seen an Indian kid that people talk about like this. Yeah, and uh, he invited us. A friend of my father's actually invited them both to his house, and we met Naz in the house. And my father and Naz really clicked. And um, he he said to my father, "Bring bring Tony down my house. I want to see something." And he actually brought a guy called Nettles Nasser down from from America to to pad me off. And uh, when I done pads with uh, Nettles, bearing in mind this guy took all my shaker on the pads, Kabari Sanchez. Miguel Cotto, um, to, um, not not um, um, Terence Crawford, Henry Crawford. He took Henry Crawford to eleven and zero, and um, from the first punch after on the pad, he goes. He said, "I think something average." He said, "Mashallah," because I never felt left off like that. Yeah. <laughs> Smashed it. Yeah, he sees. He stopped and looked at Naz, and he goes, "Naz, I've never felt a left off like that." And then um, Naz goes, he goes, see, because he he's got that money shot. And um, yeah, we worked on some things. I, when I first went with Naz, I had a similar style to Mike Tyson. And bearing in mind, this, this guy, Nettles, was part of Mike Tyson's camp when they first uh, had Teddy Atlas and Kevin Rooney and the Catskill camp. Right. So I yeah, worked, worked with him for a few months and he actually got me ready for my debut along with Naz's cousin, Anna Sawido. Yeah. And um, yeah, they got me ready for my debut. Are you like um, you mentioned there? Obviously, you signed with Dillian White's brother. So does that mean that you're are you no longer um, with Nas as well, or is, or is, are you still like does he still help out when needed? Yeah, well, I'm I'm still very close with Nas, but uh, Nas Nas has got a lot of things going on, like with the stuff that he does. He's always out in Dubai, and he he does his thing, so it's hard to get the time with him. Yeah. So it's like I just let him, you know, Naz crap on if I need you, I'll call you. And he's like, yeah, love, man. Whenever you need me, give me a shout. He does seem to be everywhere. You see him on all the boxing shows and, and he's got really Yeah, good... yeah, he gets about, man. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the most famous one, I think, in recent times within the past couple of years was when he told Eubank to retire after that, uh, <laughs> that yeah. uh, George Groves thing, which was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But he was a legend back yeah, in the day. Funny. You back come back and won a world title straight after. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's the one. Where, so when you're working uh, that closely, obviously with, with a legend, probably one of the most well-known British boxers. Um, and, and and the thing is, I think he could probably sympathise and empathise with you a bit more because he is British Pakistani, similar to obviously ourselves yeah. as British South Asians in general. So did you feel like? when you were talking about going to the gym beforehand and you were the only, the brown kid, do you feel like that was sort of a lot easier with Nas because he get, got you yeah. a bit? Yeah. Um, to be honest, he, he, he was honest with me and said he needs to get the same stuff. But what drove him is that he thought that if I can get really good at this and get all my people behind me, that, no, I could be amazing. And that's, that's what he saw with me. He goes, if me... Or five time, or what is it, three time or four time, five time champion, can see you and say that I know this kid's gonna do something special in the sport. 
how can your own people not see it? Mm-hmm. Have you have you found like uh, wider community support? Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've got a lot of Asian support. Like the, my my people, my community have been amazing to me. Like, I love them to bits the way they treat me and the way they supported me. And then the British community, they've been amazing to me. The Brit, although I I do represent the C British C community, the Indian community. I I am British, British, my home. I love Britain. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That I've had really good support of everyone. That is really good. I I think that's the good thing about the like position we're in is that we are multicultural and we can take yeah. from both cultures. Like the system, especially for boxing in the UK in Britain, is is really good. Like British boxing's booming. Do you know what I mean? At the moment, it's probably the epicenter of of global boxing. But then you can also pull from the the Indian side of we come from a very rich culture in that side of fighting as well like kabuddi gutka all of these sort of things at the same time right and as you alluded before like we are from we have warriors blood essentially um and it is it is really good to have the both sides and obviously like i've had this conversation with the the previous boxes that we've had on the podcast as well uh that it's um i think it is really good but i'm surprised that no one yet has reached the the world title level like and I think from your um, previous, I'll, I'll be honest with you. One of the boys recently did actually fight for a world title. Is an Indian. Who was that? He was um, Prince Patel. He fought for the IBO world title. He fell short of it, but he did. Yeah. Yeah. Was that in Africa? That was in Africa, wasn't it? That fight. Yeah, yeah. He actually fought for the IBO world title. He fell short of it. So that's the closest thing to a world champion we've had. He's actually a good friend of mine. But um, there has been a few like we've had them. Um, I think it, I can't remember the boys name, but we did have a, fe- a featherweight British champion. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, Jack, is dummy? I can't remember his name. I'll, I'll have to Google him. But yeah, we, we, have, we have had some Indian fighters get close. I think I think when we get when we get the world champ though, I think that's going to be it, something different. Do you know what I mean? Because that's when I think there'll yeah. be a lot more support exposure. Because I yeah. think. We, we do want to support. We just don't know who to support. Like, the people that are coming through, I don't yeah, know if had, it's... We had, um, we had Virginia, but so it, like, sadly lost his last fight. So And I think what had happened was he'd just been out the ring too long. Mm, that that I, I watched that fight as well, and, and uh, yeah. the, the ending to that fight specifically, and, and it did seem a bit weird. But, yeah, maybe it was just ring rust. Um, but you have on previous interviews basically stated that you want to you want to become the first British Indian world champ, and is that still is that still the goal? I'm not not the first. I would just like to be one of the one of the British Indians that that achieved championship status. I mean, I, you can't look a lot a lot of people. I want to be world champ. I want to do this. I want you got to take it. It's a ladder. You mm-hmm. got to step step by step by step by step until. If you haven't even won a British title or international title, or or you're how can you look at being a world champion? You know, it's like miles away. Yeah. But in the in the back of your head, that is what you're dreaming of. That one day I could achieve that. But you, you have to be realistic and say, look, I've got to achieve step by step by step by step. Mm-hmm. There's not no point of looking. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna blow up straight there. I mean, unless. You, Unless you love Vincenco, it's like three hundred. How much fight has never lost? You know. <laughs> well, even he lost his first fight as well. Too, so I, I don't think it's as uh, it's easy as that either. But no, yeah. I, I 100% get where you're coming from. Definitely, like to take it step by step. And 
again, I think it goes back to what I said before, and it sounds like a very mature approach because. Uh, I mean, so when, when I when I first turned over, um, I didn't really understand the game and how it worked. And as I've been in the game, I understand it a lot better and how it works now. So mm. it's it's matured my way of thinking. You do hear in boxing, there's like a lot of politics and go uh, and things that are involved. Is that what you're you're talking about? It's crazy. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it's a business. It is a it is a business. Which is why, like that, that that's why I think like if we if we had like a bit more exposure and profile on on some of the Indian fighters, like I think the upper community in England wants to support these guys. But I, I, I've the fighter, the Upna fighter, if he can get the Indian community behind him, he'll reach the top. Because that is what happened with Prince Naz, Amir Khan. Like, they had that Pakistani community support them and, and it propelled them. And obviously, you have to have the talent as well. You can't, yeah. you can't just rely on the crowd support. What, what you have to think is a promoter's going to look at views and look how much of a population we've got. If we can get them views on boxing, which promoter isn't going to want to promote us? Which promoter isn't going to want to put an, an opener fighter in, in, a, in that seriously big fights where arenas are getting filled, where TV channels are getting flooded? That they're going to they're gonna want you. And it's the promoters that make the fights. 100%. That, that is it. And, and it seems like everywhere in the world now is, is flooding to India and China because they're such big markets, but boxing yeah. seems to seems to be uh, a bit behind uh, on that side uh, of things. But I mean, I think now it is picking up, but you got to remember that it, with our people, we are peaceful people. So <laughs> that is part of our culture, to be friendly, to be peaceful, so to see two people hurting each other, I don't know how they take to that. Yeah. That is a bit of a, of a conflict, but when you explain to them, so look, they're doing it out of sport. They're, they're doing it to represent, they're fighting to represent their country. You know, they're doing it out of honour. Then I think that would persuade people to watch more. Yeah, true. I, I haven't thought of it on that side of things because, yeah, I, I like when I think of the, the fighters, I'm thinking we come from that warrior broadline, but you, you're very right in the fact that we, we also do come from a, a, a place of humility as well, uh, yeah. as you were saying. So it is, it's a fine balance, though, that you want to tap into both as you, as you can. <laughs> that's why, um, that, that's why I, I, everything I do, I try to represent my people in the best way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smashed it. No, no, definitely. And and as I say, like hopefully when going forward, I'm I'm a fan of boxing and I've been watching it since I was a kid. Rocky movies had a huge impact. Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, and then uh, and obviously more recently we've I've been watching like AJ from his first fight to his world championships and yeah. like I love boxing, but I just want to see more happening in it. I just want to see more happening yeah, watching yeah. it. <laughs> well, even even me, I I remember when I was younger to my dad. Said, Dad, who's the best Indian boxer that ever lived? Dad goes, I don't even know an Indian boxer. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. There was, I think there was a guy called Gaur Singh, uh, and he faced Muhammad Ali um, in, in Delhi. And it was in a, an arena packed full of like 50, 60,000 people. And he was basically um, India's Olympic uh, boxer, I think. 
Okay. Yeah, so I know um, the um, the amateur pedigree in, in India is amazing from what I've heard. I've yeah. Heard really good amateurs. Yeah, but I I I think that this was actually post Ali's proper retirement, and I think it actually went down as an exhibition match. But from what I remember, that was that was one that uh, caught my eye when I was a kid because uh, I heard of this story. Um, and and yeah, yeah, there's there's still pictures if you Google them online and things of, uh, and I'll, I'll send you it after this uh, podcast of uh, his his medals and things. And, and it's you think something that big? How how have we all not heard about it that? one of our own fighters actually fought probably the one of the greatest boxers that ever lived uh with not all of us have heard about it exactly just goes to, just goes to show the exposure we get that's it but I, I i also think it goes back to your point before of like our culture doesn't really adopt fighting uh yeah. although like we do have like things like kabuddi as mentioned before and, and we do come from a warrior bloodline like when it does come to uh, especially Apane that are probably outside of India. So, yeah. like, for example, us, I think the encouragement is always to get a, a stable office job instead of don't do this fighting crack, do and go get a nine to five instead because yeah. that's the sort of mentality. But I feel like now that that could be shifting with the social yeah. media exposure that, that people are getting. Like, even um, what was his name? Tal Singh in, in um, Meet the Khans. Uh, Amir Khan's TV show, there was a boxer in there as well. And he got a lot of support from the community when their episodes came out. And then obviously his social media following is growing. But when you see somebody in that sort of looks like you uh, in in a different field like boxing, it, it does open the doors, which is credit to yeah. you for doing that as well. Do you know what I mean? Like when you see an Indian boxer doing, smashing it, doing bits, it allows that next Indian kid looking at you to well, go well, to the gym. Well, obviously I'm a father now and I've got a little boy and when he grows older I would like to see that his dad try to achieve something hopefully I do achieve something amazing in the sport I within myself I believe I can and um, if he sees him and it inspires him and I hope I can be a great role model to him 100% and congratulations on becoming a dad <laughs> no worries what is, that, what is that like what's that transition been like it's just amazing. Yeah, I've, I've always, um, I've always been a family man, so yeah, it's it's lovely to have him running around the house watching me when I do my training. Yeah, and I hope that he grows up to be a good honourable man. Is he, is he copying any of your moves yet? Yeah, he does try to do a bit of boxing on the back. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever get the comments from your dad saying that he reminds me, of, it reminds you of you? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute that's very cute um what what weight category are you are you currently fighting up super well uh, yes if i this is the funny one because if i weigh in on the day then i weigh in a super water if i'm given 24 hour weighing then i am actually a water weight if you look at the last time i had 24 hour weighing i came in a water weight right so you, yeah. you very comfortably make that weight then as you're walking around weight really yeah. Yeah, no, no, I walk around very. <laughs> yeah, laugh if I told you how much I walk around. <laughs> okay, we'll not mention it. We'll not mention it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you I'm find it easy to cut? Yeah, I'm, I'm. It's funny because I'm a big guy, but I can sort of drain very fast. Right. Um, I can I can gain like fourteen pounds overnight and lose fourteen pounds within four days. Right. So yeah, I'm very good at. I think my body holds a lot of water weight, so. Yeah, I fluctuate a lot. 
Yeah, trust me, I know, I know the waterway problem. I got, my, I got a lot of waterway down here, man. <laughs> Too much waterway. <laughs> um, like with with the waterway thing as well. Do you specifically just cut water, or do you have to do like a tailored, like a tailored sort of? You thing? have to. You have to. Um, I've actually talked to my my like strength conditioning coach about this. We need to hit a certain limit, like fat percentage, before we know that okay, this is as much water we can take out. Because that that's that thing's really interesting as well as the water weight argument because I think yeah. um, the more like sort of science and stuff comes out, it, it seems to be quite quite dangerous in the long term. Yeah. Uh, have you ever it thought is, of like that side of things? Yeah, it is. It is dangerous if you don't rehydrate properly. That that is one of the reasons I don't make water weight on the day because I do have to dehydrate to make it. Yeah. I was I was speaking to uh, this MMA fighter from New York, uh, Harveer Singh, uh, on like I think it was the second episode, and he was saying there's the um, that's that's what causes increased concussions as well in MMA, yeah. is there's that they around the brain, you know, that no cushion around the brain. That's it, hundred percent. That's what he was saying as well. And when he was explaining like how the science works on that side of thing, it's uh, it is very very scary. Like you would think that. Um, uh, do, they have started incre- uh, including like rehydration clauses and and things like that into certain yeah, contracts yeah. now. Yeah, that that that's silly because now the fighter has made the weight. Now he's scared to drink and rehydrate. He's scared he's going to go over. Mm. Uh, sort of, it's sort of going to cause more injuries. Do you not think it would just be easier to to actually just fight? As a, as a fighter, you fight. You're not going to think that. Oh, okay, because we're not allowed to come up. We're not allowed to rehydrate this much weight. The guy's not going to struggle to get down to the weight. But you're going to get another fight as that's I don't care. You got to remember some some guys are so hungry and determined that they don't care if they get hurt. And I think it's the thing that everybody wants that advantage because in my mind, as like the probably naive fan. Um, yeah. I would just be thinking, just fight at your walking around weight. That's probably what you're going to be most yeah. fit at and things. But everyone wants that little edge, don't they? The, it, it's it's this is how how they would do it. You'd get uh, a light, a super lightweight, and um, maybe he's not getting no fights, and he he needs exposure, he needs fights, and he needs a lot of money. So you would tell him, say, look, you're a super lightweight. I've got a welterweight. Do you want to jump up and fight him? Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy he's desperate for the money, you will say yes. But that guy isn't naturally a welterweight. That guy's actually a super middleweight. They're trying to drain down to waterweight. They drain that guy down, bump that guy down. When this guy hits that guy, what's going to happen? They're knocking his block out. These fighters that have a lot of knockouts on the record, that is how they do it. So you're, you're knocking out a guy that's truthfully six, seven weights smaller than you when you're hydrated because mm-hmm. he's bumped up to the weight. You struggle down to the weight. Obviously, you're knocking out. You'll see the size difference on the way in, and um, yeah, that, that that is how it's done. If you look at my record, everyone I've fought has actually been heavier than me come down. So I've never fought a lighter guy come up. I think we've seen that as well um, a couple of years back with, with Mikey Garcia because he he went up quite a few weight divisions and and you could see like uh, his body composition. He just looked chubby at the weight. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and and he just couldn't hang in there, and and he's obviously like such a technically amazing fighter, but obviously yeah. that weight difference just just made that much I of a difference. One, one of my friends used to train with him a lot, and he was telling me his footwork's amazing. 
Billy did. I feel like we are seeing like a, a sort of Mexican resurgence now as well. Like Mexico's got so many good fighters, but obviously like yeah. Canelo being the biggest in the sport and that Lara beat Josh Warrington. Um, yeah. There's a lot of good fighters coming out of Mexico, but at the same time, there's a lot of good fighters coming out of the UK as well. I'll, I'll be honest, the fittest fighters in the world actually come from the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, are, we are conditioned so, so amazingly. If you look at guys like Ricky Hatton, they're just animals when it comes to work rate. Um, Carl Frush just, just built the box. Um, Chris Eubank Jr. is solid. Um, Billy John Saunders, he just, he just really fit to move, fast hands, got good footwork. You know, these guys are built to, they're conditioned well. But if you look at the Americans, they're, they're technically schooled so well because they don't worry about the conditioning. It's just, they're in the gym, repetition, repetition. That's all they want. They will repeat the same thousand times till they get it right. And the Mexicans, I think, culturally, they've got this thing where they, they, they want to be top. So when you've got people all around you that are trying to prove that they're tougher than each other, naturally, the, the, one of them is going to become the toughest. Yeah. He's going to want it naturally. So, yeah. But the Mexicans don't have the tougher fighters. Americans don't have the more technically talented fighters. And Britain's not have the fittest and best conditioned fighters. And that's part of the culture here, isn't it? Like you don't. You... India is going to be known for having a board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll dissect all of them. Exactly. But to be fair, I think that could apply to Indians as well because that that British culture is not to be outworked. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You want to be tough and you want to be like rugged, uh, and sort of have that endurance. And I feel like if anybody's if anyone's going to talk about work ethic, you have to trick India in that conversation. <laughs> What's nine to no, there's no such thing as nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you finish when you're done, isn't it? You finish when you're finished. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. When when uh, when you were speaking about obviously about like the level, so you, you want to get to like one step at a time on the ladder as British, then international, and then and then obviously yeah. world. So like at the moment in the the super welterweight in the UK, the divisions quite hot to be fair there's a, a lot of good names is the yeah like cheeseman um eggington fowler fitzgerald all of them names are sort of that you, you would even say they're fringe international level do you mean that they're, they're probably in between the the uk and, and maybe european or international level well, Britain's got some of the best boxes in the world so capturing the british title is a very difficult title to capture but um, yeah we'll see when the time comes what's available then? Is that like, is that your next goal though? So obviously on that ladder step, what is the next sort of milestone for you? To be honest, I think some, something I've always wanted to do is go back home and fight. Uh, In so, India? Yeah, that's that's something I've really always, if, if you gave me the opportunity to fight for the British title or to go back to India and fight, I would choose to go back to India and fight. That would be like a, like a childhood dream. But uh, we'll see, we'll see what, what, um, what opportunities come up. Obviously, I left it down to Dean. Dean said he's got some top plan for me. And he goes, um, 
will be doing some serious work. So you just you just be ready. <laughs> that would be very very good if if we had a, a fight a fight in India again, like uh, in Punjab as well, would be so so dope. Would you want to want to do it in your bend, or would you want to go to the share and do it? <laughs> I want to do it in, the, in Mumbai, man. <laughs> in Mumbai. Yeah. What about Punjab? If I, if I do it in Punjab, I might have to come out on an elephant or something. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, there's probably more elephants in Mumbai than there is in Punjab. <laughs> all that Bollywood shit over there, fam. They, they'll have elephants lined up all trained and ready to go. If I went to the Punjab and someone hit me, I think a rat and kick over, they'll love me there. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with Dean White as well, with with obviously their connection to like Matchroom, is that something that y- y- is again, again he's working on something there? Yeah, so yeah. Gonna, yeah. I don't, don't want to say too much because it's going to kill the attraction. But yeah, he's working on some stuff. So okay, okay, we're keeping a tight lip. Okay, I'll I'll try it. I'm trying my hardest to get someone out of you, but it's not working. Like it's not working. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. So I don't like to say anything till it's finalized, and yeah. uh, then I, you know, it's just it's not a good look. But, yeah, yeah. He's, no, he's no. working on some stuff, and I'm leaving to it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It is, a, it is really good. Um, talking about Dean White, his his brother, obviously Dillian, is is a uh, one of the best fighters in the world as well. Uh, yeah. did, did you watch his last uh, last Povetkin fight? What a way to make a statement! Right. Brilliant. Brilliant. I messaged him straight away. I was like, that's how you do it, man. That's how you come back. And yeah. It would be interesting to see what his next fight is as well, because he, uh, in my opinion, he's probably what, third or fourth best heavyweight in the world. You've got obviously Joshua Fury. And then. I think he's he's ranked third. I would put him personally third, and then probably Wilder or Ruiz afterwards. And uh, I think Ruiz is fighting this weekend against Ariola. Yeah. Um, and Wilder obviously still needs to make his comeback. If you could pick White's next opponent, who who would you want to see him fight? I, I watched Dean on um, on social media, and he's he's after all the smoke man. He wants anyway. He wants more. So yeah, <laughs> he, he's um he's gunning for more man. He yeah, is. I don't, I don't know who he's after, but yeah, I know I know he was kicking Ruiz. So I don't know if he wants to go after Ruiz. Yeah, but he had other cheeks from Wilder as well, so probably one of them too. I heard maybe Trevor Bryan because he wants a he wants a world title, and I think Trevor Bryan holds the um, WA regular or IBO title. I think maybe, um, yeah. and so I think he, he he said that immediately after the Povetkin fight, but I think a few days afterwards that's when he started going at Wilder and Ruiz. Personally, I'd like to see him face Wilder because he was already mandatory for. For, for that long and he didn't yeah. get that shot sort of thing and he already yeah. said like how to beat Wilder and then obviously when Tyson Fury did it Tyson Fury got all the credit and rightfully so because he did execute it perfectly but it the heavyweight divisions honestly is just on fire at the moment it's, it's so sick yeah. it's funny they're all in Britain aren't they yeah exactly that's the other yeah, sick thing about it. the best condition fighters in Britain what's some of the best fighters 100% um, and, and at Super Welterweight the, the top dog seems to be um, from Boxwreck and Ring Magazine rankings and things seems to be Jamal Charlo. Um, what what do you make of him? Do you do you look do you actually look at other fighters like very closely in your weight division and things? No, no, I don't do that. I'll be honest, but for a fighter, I actually just concentrate on himself and not worry what other people are doing. 
See, this is the thing. Like, I, I've asked a few fighters now, as I've said on the like on this podcast, I've I've had the fortune to speak to a few, and all of them say the same thing. They don't really look at too many of the fighters. Yeah, well, it, it's it's like um, it's like a business. What? Well, why would you look at what someone else's business is doing? You're concentrating your own to make sure that's doing well. Mm-hmm. So do. But do you look at like historic fighters then instead of current ones? Do you look like back uh, in the day? Anybody knows me knows I'm probably the biggest Mike Tyson fan in the world. Yeah. Mike Tyson was my boxing like inspiration. I'm a massive Hector Camacho fan. Um, yeah. I, I really like Sugar Ray Leonard. Also, I'm a huge Ricky Hat. Ricky Hat was one of the guys that inspired me. A massive Nas fan. Um, yeah, the, I've, I've got like my favorites, Roy Jones. There's a lot of fighters out there that I, I really like to watch, and I do pick like certain things from them and try and add it to what I do. So, yeah. as as you've like obviously named like some of the best fighters in history, and and sort of picked out some of their positives. This is that's why I ask if if fighters look at the people who were world champions now, in their like ain't currently because for me. Yeah. If you're looking historically and trying to take some of the best bits of all these great fighters like Mike Tyson, Sugar Ray Leonard and things, yeah. would you not want to do that like, for example, with Jamal Charlo as well because he is the top dog at the moment to like sort of dissect what is he yeah. doing good and what is he doing bad? I mean, he, he, I, I've heard of him. I think I've seen little clips of him. But I'll be honest, I, I don't think that is my style of fighting. My style is very more similar to Canelo. Mm-hmm. So, so I I, I do watch a lot of Kinelo. Uh, obviously, I love watching Manny Pacquiao. Um, so I try to add stuff up to fight. The fighters that excite me are the fighters that I like to take bits of and try to put into, into my own style, really. Is it, uh, for, I watched a... Although, although, although I'm a massive Javante Davis fan, mm-hmm. I, think, I think he's probably one of the best young fighters out there at the minute. That style wouldn't really work for me. So although I'd watch it for the entertainment, but to study him and watch him, I don't I don't think any of that style would benefit what I do. Can you can you watch boxing for entertainment now? Or are you oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll be if it's like if it's someone I know fighting, I really hate watching it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like I know what they're going through and I can read their expressions on their face. Mm. But if I know my like it's a friend of mine, I know I know he's gonna win. Like I know, I know it's a short, but then I watch it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be too emotionally tired. It is hard, obviously. I I can't imagine like when I watch it, it's purely for entertainment. But if I knew someone who was in the ring, it, it would be it would be very hard. Because uh, a lot a lot of people can't read the facial expression, mm-hmm. and being a fighter, you're a bit more diligent to what you're watching. So I can actually read that. I can read the guy's face and think what he's going for. I know what's going through his head. I can see if he's panicking. I can see if he's hurt, and it's it's like you you're not there to shit. Like you want to shout, out, oh, do this, do that, <laughs> chill out, dude. You know, don't make the fight too hard. But you're not there to do it, are you? I mean, uh, I've gone. One of my friends fought for the English title, uh, Elliot Matthews, who's a good fighter, and I did actually go with him. And throughout the whole fight, I think I was the loudest person there. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's what you need and though. The fight, he'd come out and hug me. And he said, he goes, he goes, everything you told me, did you say I did it? And I was like, I know you did it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Um, what I was going to say before was, uh, I watched uh, one or two of your fights on, on YouTube, uh, obviously, like, before starting today. And it does seem like 
when you were talking about like Canelo and things like that, like um, it just seemed that you you very much like a counter puncher. Is that safe to say? Yeah, yeah. So one of the fights that I, I did watch, um, that's like the style that you were adopting. But you had it's it, it was a weird one because you were counter punching, but from the center of the ring. Do you yeah. mean like when when normally you watch counter punches, they're normally like on the outside and they're waiting for oh, the yeah, center. Yeah. Whereas yeah, this was you were yeah. like, it was it was it was interesting to watch because and it was effective as well. That's the interesting part is that normally it's the the in, the the inside uh, the center fighter, the person in the center of the ring is normally the aggressor, but you yeah. maintaining the center of the ring while allowing that person to just be on the outside, come in and then counter. Yeah. Well, it's it's um. I'll be honest, the, the, a lot of people that hold the centre of the ring and do this and that, yeah, that's good for like a, a long fight. Mm. But you just want you just want to be the dominant fighter. That is it. Basically, you want to be a bully in the ring. Yeah. So you just want, you just want the guy. You know, you do the hard work. I'm not doing the hard work because like, I can hurt you whenever I want. So it's like more of an assertion of dominance. Fair play. Yeah. And it's probably like a good indication to the judges as well of who's. Yeah. But the second you go in the center of the ring, you're not, you know, the guy, if the guy tries to fight you back and you slip counter, straight away it's knocked his confidence because he's like, I tried to take the center back and I've got to hit hard for it. Now it's put him on the defensive where he doesn't want to work so much. So now all you have to do is just, just keep chipping away, chipping away, chipping away gently until, he's, until he does try to make a move, but you stay ready to just counter again. Yeah, and obviously, like if you hit him with a good shot, it's in the box. Unless you've got a fight with a long reach, that won't work. But it, this is going into like te- technical and tactical stuff. But I mean, it's a fighter with a long reach. You, there's a lot of ways to beat a fighter with a long with a long reach. And majority of people will tell you, move your head, slip and weave. There's actually a lot easier ways to do it. Such as break his arm. Say that again, sorry. <laughs> Break his arms. If you punch his arms senseless, what's he gonna do? Mm. And he took took the punches away from you. You gotta think outside the box. People will think move your head, do everything in a certain way. The textbook. The one best things about being good now is it taught me not to be textbook. Yeah, if, if anyone's gonna teach you now how to be textbook, it's definitely gonna be Naz. He was he was very unconventional. That is a that's a good uh um... probably ever had a fighter tell you that before. <laughs> yeah, true. And and the punching the arms thing it comes back to Canelo with his um Callum Smith yeah. fight. Yeah. Like, do you see the massive? I, I don't even know what that was. It looked like his bicep was yeah, on the side of his arm. If you're a fighter with power, and you're mm-hmm. fighting the taller fighter, rather than wasting all the energy slipping, weaving, trying to get in, like like, like Tyson would do. Yeah. But remember, T- Tyson was so powerful he could finish him. Mm-hmm. But if you're not as powerful, but yet still powerful, chip away at the arm, chip away at the arm, chip away at the arm. Tyson, Tyson was very fast as well. So even though they could jab, he was so fast, he could slip and pat. Mm-hmm. But it's, if, if the reach is bothering you and they're very fast, take it away from them. Slow them down. You make them fight your game. Do you fight mainly people who are larger than you? I think you, you, you mentioned that before. Uh, that Because... Because we've been fighting journeymen. The journeymen normally normally are like big and come down because they don't want to get stopped. Because if they get stopped, they can't fight again for like a month. 
So it's very right. rare you get the journeyman come up in weight to fight. It's the majority of the time they always come down. So they're naturally they're naturally harder to stop. Right. They're naturally fighting normal fighters. Low fighters will, will will drain down to their maximum, and they will be slightly more exhausted. Why why so can't they fight for a month? You get them come up as well. Why can't they fight for a month? If they get stopped, is if, that a... if you stop the British Border Control one that you fight for a certain amount of days? Oh, okay. So ideally, ideally, they they'll throw less punches and work on not getting stopped than actually than actually trying to win. So if you if you that's why if you hurt them, mm-hmm. you know they're there, they're there to survive. So take advantage of the fact they're there to survive, unless you want to take them out. Some people like to take them out and get it done. I say if you've got a, like a massive amateur pedigree, just take them out there because you don't need the experience. Mm-hmm. If you have it, I, I would rather keep them in there and get as much out of them as you can. It's, it's a good target practice. It's good. It's good ring practice. Good ring time. And get the uh, get the get the rounds in that, that obviously you didn't in the amateurs as well. Yeah. yeah. What? You know, but... If you if you haven't been in, if you remember some of these these fights, like hundreds of rounds. If you yeah. haven't really had hundreds of rounds, imagine what that guy's learnt in them hundred rounds, and you've only done ten rounds. Yeah, you bang ten guys out in ten rounds. You've only ever done ten rounds in your whole boxing career. Mm-hmm. But this guy's done like a hundred rounds. Think how much knowledge, how much, how much situations, how much things have happened in them hundred rounds he's learned. Yeah, I can't remember the fighter who said this, but it was it was a quote of like every time I step into the ring, I I basically learn that entire person's. I absorb all of their rounds and their experience, which is, yeah. is an amazing quote, to be fair. Uh, I obviously butchered the quote there, but you, the quote is a lot more eloquent, <laughs> eloquently yeah. put. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's the longer you're in there, the more you're learning. But it's also the longer you're in there, the more dangerous it is. So you need to, you need to be in control the whole time you're in there. And I presume the more comfortable you get in the ring as well, like under, like if you're in a professional bout, like you probably. Yeah. Get more comfortable with the crowd looking at you, the the judges there, and like yeah, all that yeah, stuff. That, that is one of the reasons as well, because you want to become immune to that when you're actually. So now, when you're in a title fight, and you know you're going to be in the team, you know you're going to be in a big arena. If you're not even used to the crowds and stuff watching you, and the atmosphere, because you've only had such a short time of seeing it, mm-hmm. when you're doing that ten round fight, and say so you do, like go back to the corner and for a split second, you look around and you think, "Wow, where am I?" I'm, I'm just like dazzled by everything going on. Has uh, it happened to you? Yeah, that happened to me in my, my, my debut. I was going to ask, like, because that, that would be, if at any time was going to happen, it would be a debut because it's all fresh. How was, like, your energy management? Did you did you find that, like, you were a bit too nervous or excited beforehand and then you had a yeah, challenge? Before, before the fight, I was going to just blast the guy out. I was, so, I was so nervous and I thought, yeah, I'm just going to get him out of there quick, get over and done with. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Naz, Naz coming along and says, listen, you've got this. This is going to be so easy. Just go out there, just keep jabbing, snap his head back, make him look stupid because I want you to just show off your skill. Just take your time in there. This is going to be easy. You may think it was scripted. I was like, this guy, this guy's making it sound like it's going to be too easy. And I mean, when I went into the ring, I was like, it's, it's, it can't be that easy. It's not going to be that easy. And this guy just jumped on me like he wanted to kill me. <laughs> and I was like, I look back at him. I remember this, uh, like um, the ref pulled him off. And um, I look back at Naz and he goes, 
just knock him out now. Just try and knock him out. <laughs> <laughs> I, give, I give him the dirtiest look in the world. I was like, you need to go and knock him out, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, then he obviously he knew I, I had a lot of power. I hit the guy with the body shot. And from the second I hit the guy with the body shot, he didn't want to let go. And he just <laughs> got points on top. He was excessive holding the whole fight. And then... Uh, <laughs> The shot that you mentioned before was uh, that that um, uh, Naz seemed to enjoy was the left hook. Would you say that is like your quote unquote signature yeah. shot? Well, funny enough, yeah, that, that was the shot that hurt him. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was picturing in my head was a left hook to the body. <laughs> is, uh, exactly, so, exactly a left hook to the brain. <laughs> yeah, when you said left hook, I was thinking that's why that's why it came into my mind. Exactly. It seems to be a good shot, though. The people who can master yeah. it. Yeah, you should see the guy's feet lift off the lift off the canvas on the left foot. So yeah, it's it's a good shot. It is interesting because that seems to be a very good shot for quite a lot of people. Like um, again, going back to um, Dillian White, that's a, that's a shot that he he's nailed on. Well, well, a lot of the fighters that I emulated, like um, Tyson, yeah, Canelo, even um, very similar Joe Frazier, um. And I did like um, Trinidad, and they're, they're all guys with, with left hooks. Yeah, yeah, it is. A, it is really interesting to be fair. As I say, I'm just like a boxing fan to be fair. So when I get the the chance to to speak to boxers like yourself, it's like a it's a put a buzz for myself. <laughs> like what I like to do with with uh, the boxing guests that I've had on so far is, and I know you said that you don't really watch too many fighters, but there's a few divisions that I think that are very very hot at the moment. Um, and if we could just run through a few of them and see who you think is going to be at the top of the pile when when all said is done, so um, I think we'll, we'll go from like lightest to heaviest. Yeah. And I think uh, in the lightweight category, we've already mentioned Lomachenko before, but we've also got Tiafimo Lopez who obviously took his belts. We've got Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, and Javante Davis that you mentioned before as well. So out of them. Four five fighters. Who do you think is going to be number one? Giovanni. I think he'll wipe up the whole division. Really? Yeah, I think he. he have you out of all them fighters? Have you seen guys hit other fighters and then drop like sandbags? Because he does that. Yeah, I haven't thus far, but yeah. yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I won't argue. I won't argue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in in sort of um, I mean they 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 put them in. I mean I'm a massive. Gamboa fan, I really like Gamboa as like one, one of the fighters that I really enjoyed watching, especially with 50 Cent, his friends with Billy, so I really enjoyed watching him. And um, I, I knew how good Gamboa was. Giovanni was the first one to step up and fight and beat him. So I'd been at the ring and stepped up and everything. We're talking about a class fighter. When you got class fighters like that, it don't matter how long they're at the ring. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure guys like Andre Ward can be at the ring and come back and still be fantastic. Yeah, well, it's that muscle memory, isn't it? It's, you can be out there the ring so long, but as, as soon as everything starts ticking the right way, then obviously you, you get all of it back. I think uh, Devin Haney fought Gambo recently as well, and I think he, he also... Yeah, knocked. yeah no, he didn't stop him, though, did he? Do you not? I, th- I think he... Was he close to stopping him? Because I remember him being down. I remember Gambo being down in the fight. I'm not sure if it was he finished it off, but I do remember Gambo being down at some point in that fight. Um, unless I'm thinking of the completely wrong fight. I myself, I'm a bit of a Devin Haney fan. So um, I, I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like he... He's a, 
I, I, one thing I like about him is that the relationship he's got with his father. He's got a lot of respect for his father, and I do really respect that. And he's a hard-working boy, man. To, to get to where he's got at a young age, he's worked extremely hard. Yeah, I think I think he's only like 22, 23, something like that. Yeah, he's, he's 22, 23 years old, and he's, he's already champion of the world. Like, he's done very well. Exactly. Um, a sort of close to your weight category, I guess, is, is welterweight. Uh, and and I think there's only there's only one fight to be made in that category. Really, it's it's Terence Crawford versus uh, Ewell Spence. Uh, who do you think would win out of them two? Um, I feel like my friends are gonna give me stick for this, but the only reason I'm gonna say Spence is because Terence, skill wise, I mean Terence is more skilled. But remember, he's from a light lighter weight coming up. And you've seen what, what um, Errol did to Mikey, and Mikey's from a lighter weight coming up. True. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I do understand that, but I feel like Terence is someone who, quote-unquote, lives the life, and yeah. Errol seems like he is more flamboyant out of the ring, shall we say? So I don't know if something like that would come to play a part. And I think, I'm not sure if he's had a fight since his yeah, car crash. When, when, when you got guys that can really punch for their weight, it only takes one punch, man. Yeah, but didn't Terrence, like, break Kel Brook's face t- as well? Like, th- like that? he's got power. Yeah. yeah but who took him out first? Who took, oh, yeah. Very yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> she, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, uh, middleweight, and well, I think the guy, the guy that does it first is the guy you got right. Yeah, true. Very true. Yeah. It makes it easy for all the rest afterwards because you lose that confidence. And don't you? When Ricky Hatton, Floyd was the first one to beat him. Mm-hmm. Then Manny comes around, knocks him out quicker. But Floyd gave the blueprint that he could be beat. Yeah, very true. A guy is more, more dangerous when he knows he can't be beat. When 100%. a guy knows he can be beat, he doubts himself. 100%. Um, middleweight, this fight has already been announced and it is in a couple of weeks uh, at the time of obviously recording is um, Canelo, Billy Joe Saunders. Obviously, we, we can chuck Triple G in the mix there as well, but I feel like Canelo's beat him um, two times now, uh, although the first one, in my opinion, is a bit... Um, but Billy Joe Saunders versus Canelo, who do you think is going to win out of that one? I would like Billy to win. Yeah. Obviously, like, while I was uh, like coming up in the circuit, Billy was coming up at the same time. He was always, uh, always ahead of me, a bit older. But... Um, yeah, I would like him to win, but I'll be honest, Canelo's probably the best fighter in the world right now. If he, if he does this, a big ask for him. Yeah, I feel similarly. But Billy Joe looks in tremendous shape going into this fight, though. Uh, you know, everybody says that about tremendous shape. What happened with, with Andrew Ruiz and Anthony Joshua? You got, <laughs> the, body, the body thing don't mean nothing. It means you're training I, hard. But it's, it's the skills that pay the bills, man. And Billy has great boxing skills, so that's why I'm not I'm not saying 100% Canelo. I mean, I think Canelo, Canelo's favourite to win it, but I think if anyone's got, got what it takes to beat him, it is Billy. I, say that I feel like the, the shape thing comes more into it with, like, weight categories that you actually have to cut obviously with heavyweight it's just like 
as big as he want to be, really. But I feel like in previous fights where um, Billy's been perhaps less motivated, he he hasn't looked as good. I'll be honest. I, I honestly believe it's it's the better man on the night. Yeah. I, I've I've seen I've been inspiring world champions. I've seen world champions get beaten up in sparring by like guys who who were, like just coming up. So mm-hmm. I don't. I honestly don't believe it's it's about someone so much better than someone else. It's just who's better on the night. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. Hopefully, Billy can do it because it, it would be a it would be a sick thing. But as you yeah. say, Canelo is probably the best fighter in the world at the moment. And um, let's I'm finish off. I give, give him credit though to to be an undefeated fighter and and go after the best in the world. You've got to be brave, man. Uh, so yeah, he's a true fighter. Hundred percent. The the biggest uh, is probably to the last is heavyweights, and this fight seems to be signed or maybe or I don't know it's all up in the air is, is Joshua versus Fury who do you think is going to win Tyson Fury uh, versus Anthony Joshua everyone's been asking me this that is honestly the better man on the night because they're both really really I know a lot of people say Tyson's going to win easy a lot of people say AJ's going to win easy it's just going to be who stands up on the night because they're both just as good as each other if you had to put money on right now, okay, if me and you were to make a bet, who would you put money on? And don't worry, I, I ain't gonna be betting, yeah. I, I ain't on no boxer, I ain't on no boxers, please, yeah. I ain't got I ain't got money like that. But if we were theoretically gonna bet, who would you put money on? I, I am not I'm not accepting no, they're both who they're both as good as each other. You must you have a personal you, preference. You can't do this to me. Because I got friends, I got friends in the gym who are friends with AJ, and I got friends in the gym. They're gonna fall out of me. No, no, you got, you got to pick one. You just got to pick one. I, I you got, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Tyson because I, I got a lot of travelers in my area, and I want my house in my burger. The Jack the King guys, come on, it's Tyson. <laughs> oh flipping <now. laughs> okay well at least at least you've kept all the travelers happy <laughs> uh I, I i would like joshua to win as i was saying before i followed his career from his debut so i think I, I, I met um i mean i shoot this on some tv commercial thing and i met joshua and uh yeah he's a cool dude man i like him really really nice guy That's yeah worth- yeah, I, th- I think that's what I've heard from a uh, from from most like people who have interacted with him. He says that he's a he is very very nice. So um, yeah. I think it's easy like because cause you do hear the flip side as well. Like a lot of uh, some people do obviously say that oh it's all PR and and uh, he's he's too like um, no, family mean, friendly. Was, I mean, we we was off camera obviously. We was just chatting. And he was just a really cool dude, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want I, I I want him to win, and I feel like um I feel like he will, uh just just due to inactivity of of uh, Tyson, um and I know that people when I when I've said that before people go oh Tyson was out for three years and he came back and beat well, well no he didn't he had two tune up fights beforehand uh that were in very quick concession succession sorry before the Wilder fight um and and. Joshua beat Pulev a couple of months ago and it's going to be going yeah, in this. One thing about Joshua is Joshua can really... I remember him showing me the punch on the back. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, he can really shook the whole gym at the back. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, rough. 
He's a fucking unit, like, yeah. innit? You take a lick like that, man. I don't, I don't know if they get back up. <laughs> 100%. No, this, this would be proper dope. Um, But just before we finish, I do a quick fire question round. So I ask every guest the same five questions, and it's in like a quick fire fashion. So uh, if, if we get started with these, the first one is what are you most proud of? Represent my people. Smashed it. What are you most looking forward to? Making my people proud. <laughs> what is your biggest motivation? I feel like I know the answer to this. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say the people. My biggest motivation is my father. Okay, okay. And your people. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, what is your definition of success? Be loved by, loved by my people. And last but not least, because it's the Culture Cast podcast, how has your culture affected you in your journey this far? It's kept me emotionally strong. Emotionally strong? Yeah. How so? Just to see the people, the way they support me and the way they've talked to me. And uh, it's just made me really proud of who I am. Smashed it. That's amazing. Um. I, 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 again, I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, and it's it's been a pleasure, obviously. Uh, big up to to Gaz as well for sort of putting that putting that word in and linking with together. Um, is there is there any last blue corner, blue corner boxing guys, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, blue corner yeah, boxing. Shout out, guys! Follow blue corner boxing as well. Got to follow that. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. He's a sick guy. I I just recorded a podcast with him a few days ago, and uh, he, he mentioned himself. Um, so I thought I'd I'd, I'd reach out. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I got the the crunk gear on as well. The crunk boxing, um, a crunk athlete, so they, they keep me kicking out with all my gear. So big shout out to them and thank you. And the Atlas Group, always supporting me, sponsoring me. Obviously, all the Asian networks that follow me and Culture Casting as well. Thank you for having me. Hey, hey, big shout out for the Trump. Um, yeah, no, smashed it. I think. Uh, is it mainly Instagram that you're active on? Yeah, I'm Tony Banjo on Instagram. I do have a Twitter, but I'll be honest, I'm so lazy on Twitter, I don't follow it. And I've got a fan page, um, Tony Banjo on Facebook. Sweet. All of them things will be linked in the description below, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening, all them links will be in the description. Go follow Tony. And uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. <laughs>